Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the game on Saturday night against the Rams, AB's Helmets fiasco, and uh, we're going to be doing a little Hard Knocks review. Before we get into all that, I want to make a quick announcement. We're going to start releasing the episodes on Mondays from moving forward. We want to get that content to you guys out as soon as we can after the game, and of course, give you all week to kind of uh, listen in and listen on your own schedule and whatnot. Anyway, a victory Monday, if you will. <laughs> Victory, yeah, victory Monday. Super Bowl pal, Raiders are one and zero now. Let's go. go. We're going what? what? What is it? Twenty three and zero. Yeah, if you, I guess if you include a preseason, maybe, oh. maybe that would be twenty seven and zero. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> oh really, no, that's we're really going taking all the way. fandom to the next level when you start getting juiced about preseason wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Jose, you were at the game. How was how was the atmosphere? How did the Coliseum show up? Oh man, it was always on fire as usual. And um, I'm actually shocked because, um, like I was telling you, uh, two and a half, two hours before even kickoff, the parking lot still had some spaces there. Um, I had like, I had like some family come park, and they didn't really, they didn't really struggle to find to get into the lot, which was shocking. I mean, it was preseason game, so of course, yeah. but you figure it's the lot. It's you know, you're limited on home games, but mm-hmm. that, that's a moot point considering like how filled up kickoff it was. And I was like, oh damn, where do all these people come from? They just parachute in so that was a nice sight to see it was nice and loud as usual typical uh, raider home game didn't really feel that much different from regular season so yeah it definitely was a fun environment um it kind of was a little funny to see how some of those seats that the ace took out that they were there some of the fans um some of the fans were able to actually still be in them though i think some of them were (laughs) Some of them, they took the seats out, and it's literally like a stand-up thing, like you would be at a bar, those little stools. Not, not okay. a stool, but you know, those little, up, up, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I got you. When Jonathan Abrams was out there, which is actually, <laughs> um, well, I'm going to start off from a review from the game from yesterday, or from Saturday, is um, Abrams <laughs> really stood out to me, man. And like I'm saying, and like in coverage, I always knew that when they drafted him, I was like, the only thing I could probably see differently from Carl Joseph is that. I'm pretty sure he, he can play a little coverage a little better, which he showed it in just this instance. We're not going to get too hyped because we, yeah. we do this all the time. Just, but still, just the fact that he was just he really was a presence out there makes me feel that it's going to translate definitely to a regular season game. So that w- that much I will buy into it. So I'm actually a little curious after you've seen uh, Hard Knocks <laughs> from Abrams and this game, everything about him. Like, are you, are you turning the corner on this guy now, Matt? <laughs> I mean, like you said and like we've talked about, We'll take the preseason. We'll, we'll take the good. We'll take it. It's good to see, but it's still the preseason. You know, as far as Abram standing out, you know, I didn't particularly notice him. You know, he wasn't a guy that I was particularly watching that much. And mm. I think he did have a bit of a limited snaps. I mean, he's got really nothing to prove being a first yeah, round. Yeah, he only, had like, he only yeah. had like 14 snaps. That they yeah, took. So nothing like that, like necessarily stood out to me. You know, I saw him doing his thing, making a couple big plays and whatnot. A, yeah, making big hits. That's the thing that was great about it. Yeah. And then honestly, I thought the secondary as a whole played really well. Looking at what they had to do, I think they held the Rams to like 133 passing yards through the air, um, and then a total QBR of 67.3 as a whole. 
that's some pretty damn good stats for the for the secondary, especially considering that the Raiders only had one sack and for all I could see, you know, not a whole lot of pressure going on. Definitely a good sign moving forward. Yeah, and that's it really was a good sign. I mean, it's not like the Rams played really much of any of their starters, but yeah, no. They, it is a really good coach team, and they do know how to find talent. So I, I really thought maybe on the first drive that the Rams offense was really going to take it to the house for a touchdown at some point. Yeah, That's pretty much what it's felt from almost every preseason game I've watched on Thursday and Friday. And, um, yeah, like every like so many games, like the teams will just run down the field and just run a clinic drive. I saw the Bucks do it. I saw the Browns do it. I saw, albeit it was, those were most of the time first-team offenses, and they weren't playing first-team offense, but – it's really this game was really more so just for like it always is like the fringe players, the depth players, players coming back on injury, and as well as like the rookies. So you know, it's just hey, this is how it feels, guys. Get out there, get your little lumps in. I mean, it's not a hundred percent replicated, but this is pretty much what it is. Getting out there, get the experience, maybe get the little jitters out because it's different when you have like seventy thousand people right there just yep. screaming out and just like. You know, maybe just, you know, get the jitters out. Get the little feel for a nice little nice little icebreaker. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it is the preseason, so we tread lightly, and the Rams starters weren't out there. But one of the things I noticed, at least defensively, is it just looked like guys were more comfortable with Paul Gunther's system. And, you know, we've heard about that mm. in training camp. Guys were playing faster. It, it felt like, at least from my perspective – that guys weren't thinking and just being athletes, which is exactly what you want. And if your second unit is doing that, at least I hope your first unit's feeling the same way because it's usually a trickle-down effect. And that's a good sign, just being more comfortable with the system and being able to fly around and whatnot mm -hmm. and go after it and make plays. Exactly, and then it makes it so much more easier to want to actually rotate your players in. You don't yeah. have to feel too much worry that, okay, if I leave them out here for a few plays, I'd – I'm, I'm not going to feel too uncomfortable. You know, you need to rotate your players on defense as opposed to, like, offense because, you know, when those offenses are just, tr like, just, you know, just gashing you for big gains or trying to go up tempo, and you really got to get those rotational players yeah. in to get some fresh legs out there. Exactly, exactly. Definitely a good sign. But moving on to the, uh, to the offensive side of the ball, one unit that really stuck out to me I thought was the offensive line. You know, we've talked a lot about them mm. um, in the, over, the com over the past few weeks in the offseason. You know, I thought they looked a lot better in pass protection. Um, you know, I felt like Glennon had just about all day to throw and to throw and get through all of his progressions, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but a lot of that ended up with checkdowns. I also felt like they just looked more comfortable again in zone run blocking scheme and they were up and opening up good running lanes and it ultimately culminated on that first drive with uh, Denver Kirkland's cut block to spring uh, your guy DeAndre Washington for that little TD. You know? <laughs> it, I was very, very surprised and pleasantly surprised with how the, off the offensive line played, especially in the first half. You know, the game went on, more and more pressure came from the, came from the Rams, but to be honest with you, you know, a lot of the guys playing later in the game probably aren't going to make the team anyway. Exactly. So I was really, really happy with how the offensive line looked. I don't know what you thought, Jose. Uh, yeah, there definitely was a, a good amount of holes that I saw there, um, especially in that DeAndre Washington touchdown. Like that's mm -hmm. literally where my seats are, so I got a good, a, I, I got a good vantage and viewpoint on that drive. Um, yeah, dude, DeAndre Washington is starting to look. I'm hoping that he he actually makes this team and it's looking a little more stronger than, that he will. Um, he ran really well. I think he played good, contributed yeah. well. I mean, it's not like he's no slouch. He does have a talent. He is able to do. He's he he does have some pretty good vision. Yeah, and he is able yeah. to like you know come come out for a swing pass. 
I know last, I know 2017, um, compared to Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington, both of them took huge step backs, but Washington was the one that took a dramatic step back. And that was just because of that little switch that Mike Tice did. And I know Tom Cable kind of kept the same little zone scheme. And, you know, I know DeAndre Washington's not too adept at that. Um, but, you know, after like after these years of experience, you know, you, you look like he got more. All right now I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable, yeah. like, knowing where I'm supposed to go, where to watch, and then just hit the hole and just, you know, sometimes you got to get a gain, you know. And that's that's the thing with zone block scheme. You just can't – you really gotta can't, like – Exactly. You got to have vision. You can't just like wait on it and just think like everything's a home run play. You just got to take the holes what you see. Um, you can't just overthink it. And, you know, once again, you're over, you start, if you're thinking when you're in the game, then that's, that's never going to lead to anything good. You got to play with your instincts there and like condition yourself to be that way. So hopefully in his case and many other players' cases, that's what gets led to. So that way, like the offense will actually be productive this season. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Washington is another guy who I thought had another great game. You know, he like you said, he looked more comfortable in the offense. He was running with his shoulders lower and, you know, falling forward as he's going down to get those mm -hmm. extra couple yards. And he showed some damn good vision, you know, broke a tackle on that uh, touchdown run and showed a ton of versatility. I mean, I think he had that one-handed one snag. If we're, obviously, it's week one and we got three more weeks to go until cutdown day, but... If week one or preseason week one is any indication, you know, I, I think Washington did a lot to make his case to stay, stay on this roster. I was very happy with him. And, and they also him. helped that Chris Warren showed up fat. So, yeah, I mean, that it's too. like, yeah. it's not like some random, some last minute camp body at running backs really going to, well, it could happen, but he, it shouldn't yeah. happen. It's really going to beat out DeAndre Washington in Kansas. No, I think he's yeah. pretty much a lock. But yeah, yeah, some good things from what I saw, but a little green assault. Not getting too hyped. It was just nice exactly. to see like Abrams and Washington and everyone else like look look a little come together. So I just can't wait for a uh, week two actually against the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday. What was your what was your con on the offensive side? Because I know I have one. Uh, the backup quarterback sucks. I was going to say the <laughs> same thing. I mean, it's, one of the I mean, first no, notes. Sorry, I mean, no duh. When the moment you say pack up, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are you suggesting? No duh. They're backups for a reason. Come on, guy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah dude, it's just backup court. They just look terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think back to last year when, you know, the preseason happened and the backup quarterback wasn't on the roster. And I very well think the Raiders could be staring down that situation again. You know, Glennon, it felt like check down after check down. And, which hope I'm hoping is not part of the offensive plan and more Glennon, um, you know, because that's what people have gotten frustrated with Carr in the past. But the Rams basically sat back in coverage, dared him to throw it, and at the end of the second quarter, he started to open it up a little bit and proved that he can move the ball down the field. And then he ends up throwing a pick in the red zone, and it's like, yeah, and that then, wasn't... yeah, I mean Peterman, like other than his Mike Vick esque fifty yard run. <laughs> We've known, we know how bad his career's been, and to no, me, yeah, he's, he's got to be. He is terrible. It's yeah. not gonna. Oh. It doesn't really matter, man. Like discussing, yeah. like anytime you have to start, there's only like a couple, what if that, of teams that you're gonna say they can live with their backup quarterbacks, yeah. and it's not. It's it's it just doesn't matter, man. The moment Carr goes down, it's, it's doom regardless. Yeah. So, and at that point, at that point, that's just that's when really how you're gonna have to see how everyone else is going to come together. And that's, that's pretty much all you're going to have to look for if that's ever the case. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's something that 
we hope we never have to suffer the consequences of, but when you do, it's kind of like you hope you have someone who can at least manage it. And I don't know if Glennon or Peterman can get it done right now, but hopefully, hopefully we never even have to see these guys outside of the preseason. Well, the good thing is this Thursday against the Cardinals, we're not going to have to see them too much because the starters are actually going to get more run this time, actual run, like probably about a quarter, about a good first quarter, I'd say maybe a couple series, who knows, but for sure they're going to play somewhere in the first quarter, which is going to be something I really can't wait to see. Um, Just seeing Carr out there with the full unit, um, the defensive starters out there, also going against Kyler Murray, who looks up pretty nice. In his debut, a little yes, bit, a little, little squirrely looking little guy. I mean, shoot, <laughs> man, that guy looks like a little youth toddler out there. Just went on the big on the big stage. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, think about it. this guy. I think I'm I think I'm taller than that guy actually, because <laughs> I'm five eleven. Yeah, so you I are. think he, I think he's he's what he's, he's supposed to be. They they etched him at like six foot, but really, uh, he, I don't I even think, think everyone knows he's like that. five ten, five ten and a half or something. I was gonna say five eight, but yeah, yeah, maybe less than that. But <laughs> so I mean. The, Hey, the fact that he can do it this well, I mean, is just there's just a huge, huge indicator of his talent. So I can't wait to see that. You know, it's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be little funny headlines like, oh, this is the yeah. guy Gruden wanted supposedly. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I was like, oh, here we go. So it's yeah. gonna be a fun thing to watch and watching Josh Jacobs get some run, watching Jalen Rashard, just the full unit. You know, once again, we're not gonna take too much for it, but you know, we all want to see it. It's, it's it's football. Yeah, I mean. Like you said, it's it's our first real look at at the starters. You know, it's not going to be these cut up clips of training camp and whatnot. You know, there is no more hiding. We can see the real results. And I mean, you brought up Josh Jacobs in the unit. You know, I think one unit that's going to have a real good chance to show what they can do are the wide receivers. Um, yeah. You know, the Cardinals have they have Pat Pete, uh, who's going to be playing our. Hopefully is playing a little bit, give give guys like Tyrell a good look. But, you know, even if he doesn't, Byron Murphy was a guy that you were, I, both of us were high on. Yeah, um, coming he's going to be the nice. Draft. And, I mean, seeing matchups between, you know, him and Tyrell or him and Hunter Renfro, him and Keelan Doss or even J.J. Nelson is definitely going to be some of the better looks that those guys are going to get. And I think a good litmus test because both of us think that Byron Murphy is going to be a good pro. Yeah, and I just really – this reminded me actually. I hope freaking uh, Darren Waller is able to come back yeah. and just give a different look because then once again, this it's going to be mismatch hell if Waller actually lives up to the hype. I mean, I know, like I said, I saw him on Sunday. He didn't play a whole lot, but I did see him and just, just wow. I'm like, this guy's physique is awesome. He looks like solid and built. He looks a little quick, and he looks like he can act the part as receiver. I just it's it, once again, man. It's just when it all meshes together, it's just exciting to think about yeah. because you got AB is a mismatch, Tyrell's a mismatch, JJ Nelson's turning out a role, um, <laughs> Josh Jacobs and Jalen Richard are two versatile pass catching backs that you got to account for, and then all you need is that tight end mismatch because everyone knows if you have a, an elite tight end, defenses will struggle to even try to contain them. It's just it's just proven. Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, yeah. you know, you just it's just it's just always a tough matchup for against tight ends. So if that at least from that standpoint, then the offense is going to be good for sure. With just like the sky is the limit and how far they can go, and at that point is really going to be on the offensive line and Carr. Which once again, the offensive line huge blow. Gabe Jackson out for eight weeks yep. from now. Um, that's a really tough one. It's funny uh, every yeah. week we talk about offensive line. Just <laughs> on, this, on this podcast, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. It, it is. It is. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, at least it looks like Jordan Devy, caught, uh, Chris Weissong's guy, is going to get in some looks at that right guard. At that point, it's like, well, now you have to because you're running out of <laughs> options here. Yeah. I mean, freaking, who was it? Lester Cotton that's out for, who's been out for a, who's supposed to be out for a month or whatever his name. Um, Denzel Good? Or Denzel Good. Yeah, it's not Lester okay. Cotton. Excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, man, that's a lot of people that you're missing out on. You're going to lose your, your – day one, week one against the Denver Broncos, you're going to be without two starters on offensive line. Yes against one of the most aggressive defensive fronts in the league yeah. <laughs> with a new uh, defensive head coach in who's Vic a Fangio. defensive guru yeah exactly he's gonna definitely he's probably gonna he's probably telling this guy in the meeting leading up to that week like guys they are weak as hell in the middle we're gonna, just yep. gonna blow them up so yeah. i just like i said man that, that's gonna be the key that's gonna be the bread and butter the key impact is the def- who, which side is gonna give in the raiders offense or the broncos defense because I feel like when it's flipped the other way around, those those two sides are just like, yeah. eh. You know, like Raiders defense, eh, and Broncos offense other than Phillip Lindsay. So, I mean, that's – that's I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But damn, man, off guard position. If we're talking about things we want to watch this week, it's it's really interior and it's going on so yep. forth. Who's going to win out those positions? How well are they going to show out? Because it's really, like we said, it's a lot worse than we thought. And at this point, it, I feel like I'm already seeing, like, excuses coming again, which will be fair for Derek Carr about no protection and interior alignment. Interior pressure has been the name of the game at this point. Yeah. I mean, week in and week out until those guys come back, it's that's going to be the position to watch, you know, especially moving forward in the preseason. That's enough on the, uh, on the game. We got to talk about the biggest story coming out of Raiders camp in the last <laughs> week. You know, you may not like it. You know, I, I to be honest with you, if you're a Raiders fan, I don't know why you would. But the old Raiders Twitter was pretty active uh, in the last week in regards to Mr. Antonio Brown. You know, it felt like almost instantly after the Raiders beat writers discredit that whole fake news report about AV going incognito on the Raiders. Um, you know, Mike Silver dropped a bomb that no one could really deny, you know, the severity uh, is still up in the air, but even the Raiders beat writers were saying that Antonio Brown has had the issue with the helmet, and this has kind of been a known thing. And, you know, when I look at this, we've talked about it before. This is kind of exactly what they signed up for with AB. You know, obviously mm-hmm. the helmet is an isolated incident, but AB cares about AB and AB only. The dude is a baller. The guy is going to ball on Sundays if you get him the ball. But this is the stuff you kind of have to deal with and you have to put up with and try and temper down because let's be honest, like I like the guy, but he's selfish. He's a diva. You know, he's a hard worker, but so was Terrell Owens and Terrell Owens is kind of in the same boat. Terrell Owens works his ass off. Terrell Owens, a hell of a player on Sundays in the fall, but there's the other stuff that you have to deal with. And I'm curious, what's your thoughts on the whole situation, Jose? Uh, at, there's definitely different ways I um, I received those news, like how I interpreted it, and I could see it at different sides. Like on his case, I could understand it. You know, playing football in my life, I would get really butthurt when people would try to make – when my coaches would tell me, you got to switch helmets, and it's like, yeah. no, dude. That's that's the helmet <laughs> that you that, – that, you know, it's, it's not just a swag factor. It's just that you're comfortable with, and it's just, it's just yours. You know, it becomes you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like a little bit of like like a pride thing at that point, pretty much, because it's a part of you, and it's like almost like I don't want to say to the degree of like you're getting neutered, but some people can feel it that way. I've had plenty <laughs> of teammates who had nice ass helmets, the speeds, the revies, and all that, and it was always it was just their it was like their baby. You know, they took it to plenty of high schools, uh, colleges that they've been to, and they just paint it over and just do it. So I can understand it, like why he's like. I, I don't want to switch it, man. It's been my helmet. And then he's at least he's given the other ones a try and say, you know what? It's just the other ones just big and take up hella room, which, you know what? If anyone's noticed, Derek Carr made that switch last year. So what is it? The speed or whatever? The new speed? Yeah, I don't, don't know. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think Derek Carr used to rock the same thing, like a shut or whatever. His head looks super small. And then the helmet looks hella big on him. The new speed that he wore last year. And now it's like, and I can already imagine just. It just just doesn't feel right, especially when you're used to a little small, compact, shut helmet that these guys are. It's like, you know, it's, it's what I'm wearing. And another yeah. thing is I'm not sure why the NFL is – why it's such a big deal for them to enhance it. It's like if he, if he wants to do it, it's on him, but they don't want to do it because they know the PR can get switched on to them and such like that. And plus I'm not even sure – because I studied concussions. Maybe it's been different in the last, like, six, seven years. But, like, six years ago when I did, like, a real comprehensive study on concussions, helmets do not stop concussions by any means. They don't stop vibrations. They're only stopped to, there to stop some neck injury and fracture skulls. They're not there to stop the brain from moving because when the brain, when there's momentum and all that velocity and that force that's coming through, when it makes that collision, the brain's still shaking in there. So just imagine a little ball inside a mason jar and you're just shaking it. That's pretty much what it's doing. So yeah. I don't know if maybe these supposed helmets are supposed to like help absorb impacts more, you know, like a Kevlar vest does when you when you when they receive the bullets, they the, all the all the little mesh will come together at that point and meet it. I don't know if maybe that is there. I don't have the information. I would assume that is why, but it's straight up a selfish reason that AB is doing this. Honestly, there's no way to interpret this. I mean, this whole time we're all thinking like, oh, he's there receiving foot. He's he's seeing a foot specialist and stuff like that. We talked about it last week. We thought, oh, he hasn't been from the team because he's looking. He's getting a specialist. Well, that may also be true, but that wasn't the main reason why he left. And it's and it's like, why are you leaving just to go for a helmet? I mean, you're getting mm-hmm. paid fifty million guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, I understand. Once again, it's a pride thing. But I'm also we're not also getting paid 50 million guarantee to, yeah. to play football for a living. So maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable. Once again, I understand it from his way, but it's straight up just selfish. You know, the reports are out there that the teams, a lot of teammates, coaches are annoyed with him, agitated, which I don't blame him, which I don't blame them. It's like you're not out here. You're out there just for a freaking helmet. I mean, come on, dude. And I can only imagine John Gruden. You know, I wrote about it on Just Blog Baby. It's just like I can like how I told you how his foot's concerning, how he didn't want to delve into it, but he said he's disappointed. Now we know why because yeah. this is such an embarrassing thing. Imagine like oh Antonio Brown's not here because he's going to <laughs> he's going to cry about his helmet. It's yeah. like he's probably pissed. He's like you should be out of here working with these guys, but instead you're over there just being selfish, especially on Gruden's end. Like I went out there traded for you no one wanted mm-hmm. you your own team didn't want you i Vouched gave up for picks for you i gave you your damn money and you're over here just screwing me off like come on i can only imagine how pissed he is at this point and it feels like how long is antonio brown really going to be in the silver and black for you know yeah i mean i get like your helmet is your your baby like what you're talking about you know i can say in college you know it was, it was the same kind of thing i got this i was lucky enough to be able to get the same type of helmet, not the same exact helmet every single year. And, you know, I loved, but, you know, going from high school to college, my college 
didn't have the same helmet I had in high school because the one in high school was basically extinct. So I had to make an adjustment and I get that, like, you know, it fits to your head and it's putting on a new helmet is uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable for about the first week. And then you just kind of get used to it. And it's just frustrating for me that AB can't get over it. And, you know, my girlfriend's a Cowboys fan and she brought up this story with Jason Witten because I guess Witten was asked about the whole situation. Why? Who knows? But he weighed in on it and he had basically said that when he came back, he had or for the majority of his career, he'd used the same helmet. And I think it was even the same model that AB wants to use and has used. And he had said that, you know, his helmet's like his baby. He even named it, called it Betsy, by the way, uh, <laughs> FYI. But... You know, he came back and the new rule was that that helmet's uh, not a legal helmet anymore or banned by the NFL. So you got to adjust. And it's the same thing with AB. It's like, yeah, you might not like it, but look, like, who really cares? Like, and from the NFL's perspective, why would they give in to AB? Like, like you mentioned, the, a the NFL, one of their biggest problems right now is concussion safety or head safety and the effects of that after a player's career. So from the NFL's perspective, you know, you need to look at it as if they're going to just let people, if they have a study that says this type of helmet isn't as good as the other ones or isn't as good at preventing <clears throat> concussions as the, as ABs and they ban it, what's the point of them banning the helmet if they're going to just let guys sign a waiver to use the helmet anyway? You know, it is true, but is it? Are we really going to take what the NFL says in that case at face value? I mean, they're getting blown up with all this concussion, absolutely. all this concussion news, and it's probably just going to be they control the information. They have all the thing. We don't know shit. They can be telling us, hey, these helmets actually actually decrease concussions by twenty five percent, when actually maybe it's only like by four, and doesn't really make a big deal. They just want to put a PR crap, but no. because they they have the information, they control it. It's like a little bit of Big Brother right now, where they control the flow, they control the narrative, and we don't know shit. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm not discredit like the NFL could very well be not accurate at all. Like they've proven with their studies about concussions that they're not exactly going to report the most accurate information. What I'm saying all is, of it. or yeah, or all of it. What I'm saying is from the NFL's perspective, you know, why would they change? It's like trying to get yeah. my head into the NFL and Roger Goodell's. And that's just kind of what I, my point being is like, what basically if AB's threatening to retire, like what does which I don't think he does like like you said I don't know any rational human being that walks away from fifty million dollars over a freaking helmet. Oh yeah, but, his little threat. Yeah, but if he does retire, it affects the Raiders for sure. But what the hell does the NFL care? Like, it's there's yeah Antonio Brown's a superstar that they can market, but they have plenty of those. You know what I mean? Like, why would the NFL give in? Like, what case does? Antonio Brown think he has with the NFL you know he might have the Raiders in his corner and he might have people in his corner but at the end of the day the person you need to get in your corner is Roger Goodell and you have better have a damn good argument to try and combat this because like we said it's one of the biggest issues facing the NFL right now and they're going to do whatever they can to try and save faith Face. especially when like you have Aaron Rodgers and freaking uh Tom Brady, who really are like okay with it, and they're being obedient with the rule, and they're following yeah. it. And so the moment those guys, that's what I saw, and even other high name quarterbacks or whatever are getting are okay with it, then anyone else after that doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. AB is not a figurehead in the NFL like that, like those guys are. Yeah. So in that case, I mean, I'm just hoping that it gets figured out 
in the in like by next week after this following game because it's getting ridiculous now. I mean, we're think about it. Once it's Thursday, we're pretty much just two less than three weeks away from the home opener Monday Night Football. So this needs to get figured out sooner rather yeah, than later. For sure. But you know, you think about it though, it's kind of funny. I kind of think this is all this news came out it was cool in terms of hard knocks on Tuesday because <laughs> that episode yes. is gonna be fire. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, you gotta think. This is the lead story. If AB's feet was the lead story in episode one, AB's helmet and retirement threat has to be the lead in episode two, right? Yeah, you figure it's it's gonna they're gonna have some type of quote about like retirement and helmets or something that's gonna. I feel like it's gonna be funny. You know, I feel like it's funny because before I want to like expect what I'm gonna see in Tuesday's episode. I think last week's episode, the first one, I think it was a lot of underwhelming. You know, yeah. I didn't. I thought it was cool what I saw of Jonathan Abrams. Although I'm, I'm not taking it once again at space value because he knows the camera's on. I'm sure he's putting out a little bit more of a show than we'll show, yes. he, he really like does genuinely. Um, there wasn't really like a whole lot of like Derek Carr like really plays. It, there was really a little bit of a lot of Ron Ali, although I, I personally liked it honestly just because I watched yeah. Last Chance to You. And it was, I think in that case, it was really revealing. I mean, we we talked about like, wow, he got cut. I mean, I wonder what it was. I guess he just couldn't get healthy and just let him go. But, you know, him missing the, him missing his treatment, yep. him not really showing the desire, the drive, you know, that yeah. when you're going to draft a free agent, that's going to be like a snap. You're going to get it gone. You know, you you, you get one mistake, you're, you're done. Yeah. I mean, I, like both of us were rooting for Ollie. I loved him on Last Chance You. I wanted him to at least make it past episode one, but yeah. I don't. I don't know. And maybe this is more of how Hard Knocks edited it, but it kind of felt like to me that Ollie quit. They showed the clips of him getting chewed out by Buckner and repeatedly and repeatedly, and that's what I'm talking about with the editing. But what wasn't edited was the fact that it seemed like he was just hanging out at practice, like. And then turned to the trainer and said his Achilles was so bad that he couldn't go anymore. That's usually a red flag for me in my history of playing football is usually when guys all of a sudden have an injury that they can't get through and practice isn't going well. That's not a good sign. And then doubling down by missing my missing treatment. Like, dude, you're an undrafted free agent and you're a train. You were a mini camp invite. Like your ass needs to be getting double treatment. Like, this isn't East Mississippi anymore. This isn't Nickel State where someone's going to hold you hold your hand through it. This is the NFL, and Breston Buckner kind of checked him on that. And, you know, I hope for Ollie's sake, because I still am rooting for the guy, I hope he gets another chance, and I hope this was the kick in the ass that he needed and the realization that, like, look, dude, you might have been a reality TV star, but no coach in the NFL gives a shit about that. Exactly, man. It's just I really do hope the guy figures it out. Um, I feel yeah. like I don't think anyone's gonna give him a chance at this point. It's not like he was really like a big time that big time exactly, or yeah. interesting of a prospect anyway. Especially after, especially when a team hears how he's gonna or see how he got cut. Not even through hot knocks, but you just figure like, oh, yep. he, they cut him because he just couldn't get healthy and just didn't look like you know why we're we gonna waste and, our time with this. And Gruden's not gonna be vouching for him if another coach calls. I would imagine. Oh, no, I don't see that either. But, yeah, man, it just felt like <clears throat> there was a lot of Ollie. Once again, I liked it. And you could definitely tell that they were anticip- they were anticipating a lot more A-B stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why I think they brought up, like, the random, like, John Madden sled, which I thought it was cool, <laughs> too. But, you know, it yeah. definitely felt like just, like, oh, man, I thought we were going to get more A-B stuff. 
And yeah. you know, I'm gonna t- a lot of the news. If you like, if everyone's been following the timeline, a lot of that episode like felt like was felt like the information that they put on there, they showed us was over like the course of the last five days from Tuesday. So that's mm-hmm. how you can definitely tell, like, oh damn, these guys like really like <laughs> we're banking on AB yeah. info, banking on AB content. And the fact that he wasn't out there, he was missing for a good portion. They were just like, damn it, this is like the big zone. I mean, not like we see anything else. I mean, I, I will say this. I know it's just one episode. We still got more to we got more to see, but everyone hyping up like, oh yeah, Vontez perfect on there. Like, come on, man. Stop <laughs> Silent. I thought when people I thought when people kept using him as a name out there, it was just more hype than anything. I'm like, I don't I was like, Vontez perfect, I mean, come on, man. He's not really He's not like a, an outgoing personality. He's just kind yeah, of a dickhead a, on the field. Yeah, on the, on, that's on game day. Maybe not even during the game. I mean, it, it, like, oh, with him and freaking AB, like, that's not going to be a big deal, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you guys talking about? If anything, I just want to see more Gruden. More yes. AB, more Gruden, a yes. little more Derek, and some more plays in terms. Maybe mm-hmm. even some actual, some position group. Like, uh, seeing the interviews um, between the interaction the interaction between Ollie and um, between Ollie and Buckner was kind of cool. And I just want to see maybe more of those, maybe more team meetings of how they conduct themselves, like more of that stuff, all those combined. I yeah. want to see that for the next episode, although maybe not the next episode because we know what's going to be all talked about there with AB's <laughs> yeah. foot and is threatening to retire if he doesn't get the right helmet. Yeah, I mean, for me, what makes a hard knock season is the head coach. You know, I think John Middlecoff pointed this out on Twitter and I think 100% spot on. You look at last chance you, and what makes Last Chance U so successful is the head coach on at East Mississippi and at uh, Independence was the most notable figure. Like he's exactly. the most outspoken guy. And Hard Knocks has that with Gruden. Like they've got a guy. I mean, we. I don't know if you saw this, but they've got like a guy with a boom mic following Gruden around every step that he takes. Like, yeah. Give me more John Gruden, damn it. Like, what's that guy been doing then if you didn't have – that's all, like, the t- that's all the air audio time you're going to give him was, like, five minutes. It's like yeah. you followed him for, like, ten days and that's all you got? Like, what <laughs> – that, that's how you know they're machine. really banking. Dude, that just tells me that they really were banking on, like, yeah. A, B content. And that just – but that's that's their fault. You know, if you're going to be content mm-hmm. creators, you got to always have contingencies and backup plans yeah. like us. If there's, this is a dead week, we always got to have some type of backup plan just talk about something random that just sounds interesting that can just get the, like, you know – just really like get the crowd or us riled up, but that's just really disappointing. Just I just hope maybe a little bit more of this episode and following episodes for Gruden. Like give me a little more, give me more. Yes. You know what he said. I'm, I'm into fucking nightmares. That shit was pretty dope. <laughs> that was you awesome. Know, I want I want to hear more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, Gruden's a quote machine. When it comes to him, like I don't know if you can get too many sound clips. Like just play the hits, play the hits. Give me more Gruden, and we'll be good to go. Just don't overthink it, Hard Knocks. It's, it's yeah. not that hard. Like It's not. I, just give us Gruden. Know your yeah. people. You know? What the hell? <laughs> Come on. Exactly. exactly. Crowdsource. Crowdsource. <laughs> all right. That's all we got for you guys on this episode. Jose, where can the good people find you? Follow me at jsanch. That's S-A-N-C-H. Underscore 21, people. jsanch. Underscore 21. Let's go. And then follow me on Twitter at mholder95. Follow the pod at sweetfly. And give us a five-star review on whatever, uh, whatever, however you consume this podcast, whether that be Speaker, Anchor, or uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star review. And in the comments, leave your favorite Raider moment, give you a shout-out, and uh, read your favorite moment on the show. All right? Until next time. <laughs>